0: Welcome to the second part of this panel discussion, we'll be discussing the most exciting topic of regulations. Obviously, there's been a lot of discussion recently around ICH M10 and where that might be taken, and I was just wondering from the panel, what are your hopes around regulations and where we might be going?
1: So my hope in the current ICHM-10 discussions is that the regulators listen to the industry. I think we've got a lot of great science that we've pulled together over the years. We've evaluated the regulations as they stand. There's many of the regulations that we all believe in and we all actually you know, really want to continue with, but there are some that just don't make sense and, and probably don't really make sense to be applied broadly across all different types of bioanalysis. So if they'll listen to industry, listen to the good science and hopefully incorporate that in some of the discussions would be great.
2: Anyone else would comment on that? Will good science win? There's so many parties involved, and if if everyone has to agree with one another, I can imagine that it will take a long time before we we finally end up with, hopefully, a situation where every country where you file has the same requirements and you don't have to do additional experiments just because you're filing in Brazil or Canada or whichever other country.
0: Do we have any feeling as to how the agreement's going? You know, our are farmer agreeing with each other, are CROs agreeing with each other, and farmer are regulators agreeing with each other? Do we get any sense of where it's going?
3: I was at the uh, meeting in Lisbon where there was plenty of discussion. and I was actually quite surprised at how aligned, at least from the uh, pharma CRO side, people tend to be. Obviously, there are some differences of opinion, but for the most part, people were quite aligned in, in both that meeting and the meeting that was held in the U.S., from my understanding.
2: That was also my surprise because... We often feel that within EU or US there's different ways of looking at regulations and, 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 and how to um, yeah, implement all these regulations and what I saw and from the feedback we got from WIHOC and, and, and the Lisbon meeting is that we're all sort of aligned. So I think that's a good sign already to, uh, to start the discussions.
0: Yeah, it's coming from a strong point, isn't it? And- I'm guessing that the regulators must be interested in the outcome of this because we wouldn't be doing this whole operation if the regulators weren't interested as well. So there's got to be willingness. Are there any particular regulations you'd really like to see go away or be watered down at all?
3: So. If- from from my side, I think it's really about getting the scope right. What actually is going to be included in the particular guidances? Um, I. I- perfectly understand um, sort of the, the, the PK assays being included, uh, I'm not uh, as necessarily a proponent to include the biomarkers, seeing as I think biomarkers encompasses such a large variety of tests and, and variety of, uh, of uh, technologies uh, that it's going to be very difficult. If we're waiting for that, it may be difficult to, to, to get a finalization. So for me, I think it's, it's a matter of getting the scope correct. So I, I, I think it, uh, it's mainly the, the biomarker area where I feel uh, that it's not going to be appropriate to be included since it, since it includes such a wide variety of tests and technologies. Uh, and it's going to get complicated to, to come up with a, a guidance that's going to cover all of them. And that's where I think the, the science should, should govern the, the requirements for any uh, validations that take place. Uh, and the scientists should decide what are their critical aspects.
1: I I totally agree in terms of the scope and and not pulling biomarkers, keeping the scope down to the PK assays. But I think you raise a really interesting point around technologies because I feel that the current guidelines are largely focused at chromatography or ligand binding. But as we know, as we get more complex and different types of molecules in our portfolios, there are different technologies that we're actually using in order to analyse for PK. So I'd like to see something in the guidance that allows more flexibility, allows us to be able to interpret the regulations in order to apply them to new technologies. Because let's face it, you know this is a once in a lifetime um, opportunity for us to have a new guideline. I expect it should be there for quite some time. So we don't want to it to be out of date very quickly, and as we're bringing new technologies on board, it would be good to have a framework that we
4: could apply.
0: Agreed. So, for the next part of our discussions, we'd like to take it on to a little bit more of a regulatory footing on aspects that we might want to talk around. That um, are there any particular aspects around regulations that people have strong opinions they'd like to discuss? I think the regulators
5: need to appreciate the data that the industry is generating right now about how useful stability tests or other experiments are that are part of validation or post-validation. And I know that incurred sample reanalysis or ISR is is kind of post-validation activity, um, and I'm sure we're not the only company that's gone back and looked, but the failure rates are very low. and. You know, the need to test in disease populations is probably relevant maybe to ligand binding assays but not generically. And we waste as an industry 10% of our resource, you know, on on that work and that's a cost and a time that the CROs and ourselves incur and I wonder how much value that actually adds to patient safety. I
0: think that's a very good point. Does anyone have a, any additional thoughts on that at all?
2: Well, I think, to me, ISR was implemented to test the, the robustness of your assay. But uh, from the failures in ISR I've seen within my company or within uh, CROs that perform studies for us, it's it's mainly acting as a sort of quality control test mm-hmm. to pick up errors that were made in the lab. So it's not it's not serving its purpose, I, I believe. So. Uh, of, co- of course you can then argue, so if it's if it's some kind of QC, why don't we do it in every study? So, but that's, I think that's another discussion.
0: Okay. Anyone else have any wider thoughts on ISR? No, I just didn't agree with Tom. I just think it just gets done for
4: the sake of it. it doesn't really give you much of either.
0: And I think it's something we all forget sometimes when we get so wrapped up in regulations that what we're doing is for patient safety, not just for regulations. Is there any other, particularly regulatory aspects that people want to discuss? There's
4: one that's um, very high on the, the QA perspective and obviously the regulators. We've just had our MHRA inspection and they wanted to know where we were up to with the OECD. 17, which is about um, data integrity and the fact that they want to look at electronic data and electronic data will be the raw data. So that there's a lot of discussion going around about that, particularly the um, QA groups and so on and so forth, but there is an expectation that we're all moving forward in that way. Has anybody else got any comments?
0: Are the solutions available that help you with that?
4: Well... There are solutions, I think, for laboratories in that you know you, you, if you've got good software, and most of us have, and it's all validatable. But it's about perhaps how you store your data. I think there are big questions if your raw data is electronic, and what if how you're going to perhaps send the data to your customer if you're a CRO. How are you going to send that to them, and how are they going to store it? because what if they don't have your software? What if they're they're a small company, a small to mid-sized, they don't have mass specs, so they don't have Analyst or Unify or something. So I think there's quite a lot of discussion to come around that.
2: I mean, yeah, it's, it's a consequence of moving into the paperless lab. In the past, everything was paper and it's relatively easy. Just put it on paper and then in 20 years from now, you'll still be able to read it. But if you have the electronic data, it's a whole other story. And indeed, if, you, if you're a CRO and after 15 years, you say, okay, uh, we stored your data for 15 year, years now, so now we want to send it back. As, as the as the pharma company, what are you going to do with this data? Probably you don't have the software available to read the data, so I think it's indeed a good um, a good discussion point.
0: And is it the expectation of the regulators that the owning company, the pharma company has the, has that ability to be able to read the data even if they've never been able to run that kind of sample because they own the data as the regulators think, made that kind of statement.
4: I don't think they're clear on it because look, we had those discussions when they were doing their inspection. So I think it well, it's out there and we talked about it. I, I'm not quite sure that they've completely got it correct in their own minds. So I think this will be going on for quite a while but there definitely was an expectation and this are coming to your lab's in the near future that you've done, a, a you know, a, a gap analysis and a risk assessment and they're all in place. But that, that is definitely the things I'm looking for now. I think perhaps they'll come onto those bigger topics later, but, but they're still out there, definitely. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if there's something that we could do with our
1: vendors? vendors that are selling us the software. In terms, there, there is now a requirement for us to be able to read data long after we've generated it. And there's going to be scenarios where organisations decommission their regulatory environment. So. Could those vendors offer some kind of a service in terms of future accessibility? Um, I, I don't know, because that, that's the sort of thing that I would be thinking about. You, know, if you've got, you could store the data, but it's about whether you could re-access that data. I think we could put it on a hard drive and it's there, but you know, in the future, could the vendor offer, I don't know, the service or somebody else offer a service for us to read it?
2: I think there's already some uh, initiatives in that area ongoing. I, I believe SAIX is working on some kind of software tool to put the data in a format which can then be read by totally different um, uh, software systems. So I think it's the question is out there and, and companies are starting to work on that. So yeah.
0: I think there are initiatives across vendors, looking at this kind of thing, because it's not just a problem for bioanalysis, you know, this is a problem for all kinds of data, whether it be, you know, other forms of stability testing in drugs and and pharmaceutical development and things like that, where a lot of it is outsourced and a lot of, you know, drug development takes a lot of time and software changes in that time. So it's a universal thing and I I think there are initiatives ongoing. Um, It sounds as though it needs to read out quite quickly, really. that's interesting.
5: I just wonder where the drivers are coming
0: from, you know, from the
5: regulators, is it because the rest of the the industry is quite mature, so now they're looking deeper. But I don't know if there's been a large amount of issues that have driven the need for data integrity. You know, when GLP first came around, you know, there were there were issues that they wanted to solve and that whole framework came in to help with that, but I don't really understand what it is right now that means that that push and data integrity is absolutely critical. Yeah,
0: so there's not that transparency. Yeah. You would like to understand what is a big pressure on the industry, yeah. which is going to cost a lot of money yeah. and take a lot of time, and yet not really being informed of what's driving it. What the true driver so. Yeah. And is there any particular way that framework should be framed? That doesn't make sense, does it? I hate this question. (laughs) Can
4: I just say this was a (laughs) five (laughs) foot? Whose question (laughs) question was this?